Welcome to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast, brought to you by the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. Our podcast will cover current issues in farming and will provide insight from a wide variety of experts in agriculture. Now let's get farm strong. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Rachel Dillhoff. And I'm your co-host, Abby Heidenreich. And today we're happy to have Jana Davidson with us. Jana is the program manager, the Progressive Agriculture Foundation. So Jana, can you tell us a little bit more about this foundation and about what you do? I sure can, Rachel, and thank you again for having me. Um, The Progressive Agriculture Foundation, we are solely responsible for um, helping Um, local communities host progressive agriculture safety days. And for those that are not familiar with what these are, they are actually hands-on experiences, which are basically for ages four to 13 uh, year olds. So we, we like to say that we focus on the elementary, early middle school ages of youth, and we try to provide them with many, um, life-saving messages on various safety and health topics. So we, I can't stress enough that we're hands-on, age-appropriate, and we really try to make sure that we're actually training the kids to go home and teach that message to their parents, grandparents, their siblings, and, and hopefully change some of these maybe unsafe behaviors that we've all maybe grown up with. We want to stop that uh, early, that early intervention with the youth. So uh, we traditionally have up to 400 um, safety days all throughout North America each year. And we do so again because of our volunteers. We train a local individual known as the safety day coordinator to um take the information and host a safety day in their local community. And they can select the delivery mode. They can select the topics that they want to offer that best meet the needs of their community. And they they make it happen. And because of them, we reach thousands and thousands of youth um, each year. And we work with thousands of volunteers as well. That's awesome. And I know I think we've all seen, um, at least in the agriculture community, a little bit of the of those safety messages as we've grown up and um, as we have kids that come through schools. So before we get into your current work and what you're doing now, we want to kind of go backwards a little bit and talk about your background in agriculture and kind of um, how you grew up or what experiences you have in agriculture. Um, and then I'll have a couple of follow-up questions for that too. Sure, sure. So I actually grew up on a small hobby farm in north central Pennsylvania. So we actually, we had a lot of pets. So we raised Arabian horses and uh, also miniature collie Shetland sheepdogs and full-size collies. And we had everything in between from ducks and rabbits and cats and you name it. Uh, if there was a, an animal looking for a place to go, our family would usually welcome them with open arms. But I was very active um, in the 4-H program. Both of my parents were volunteers uh, from, from a young age. My sister was eight years older. So uh, they joke and say I attended my first 4-H meeting at one week old. <laughs> so it was part of my life. And probably when I got into my um, early teens, I started to get more involved with the leadership aspect of 4-H and started to really um, just fall in love with agriculture. And I knew that that was always going to be part of part of my life. So I actually pursued a career in um, the extension world. I worked for Penn State Extension for 10 and a half years before joining the foundation. And that 
that is actually where I discovered this program. I was asked to be a volunteer for another um, county extension office that was hosting Progressive Agriculture Safety Days. And as you can see, I fell in love with it from, from the start. And I'm excited to say that I'm still coordinating myself in my local community now for 17 years. That's awesome. So when you were growing up on the farm, um, did you feel or see stress on the farm, maybe in your, either in yourself or in family members? I would say definitely. I think we always see, and I probably, as a, as a younger child, didn't understand it as much. That's why I'm glad that we are talking about this more for our younger generation now, um, because times were always tough um, with making things work. Sometimes you had to make choices into those activities you wanted to do. As I, as I mentioned, we had horses. They are pretty pricey. It's expensive to, to own a horse and take care of a horse. And sometimes that meant that I couldn't take part in all the additional activities that I may have liked to, um, not only because of the expense, but because of the responsibility. And so, you know, that that kind of played on, on, on me as a child. I didn't, I didn't fully understand until I was a parent myself the reasoning behind that and so yeah I think seeing that and then seeing you know some of my friends who lived on farms you know um, the stress of harvest season spring planting when you are against the clock against mother nature and you're trying to get so many things done in a short amount of time um, it, it can be very stressful you saw their personalities change a little bit when they were when they were under the clock like that. So um, such an important, important role, but such a busy, busy role to, to yeah. be a farmer. Definitely. And I think that's something that, you know, I agree with you that we didn't always recognize or talk about as much. And I think um, now as we're becoming more aware of the impacts that those stressful times or those stressful behaviors can have on ourselves and our families, I think it's it's so much um, more widely discussed now. And I think that's also part of what we're trying to do, you know, here um, as well. And I think as we are in harvest season, like you said, you see personalities change. You see mm -hmm. a lot of wear um, kind of dragging and things like that, a lot of fatigue and everything. Um, but one of the things that people don't necessarily always realize right off is the, the safety implications that can come from those high stress situations and that fatigue. And when you're stressed out and your cortisol levels are high and you're not thinking clearly or you're very tired and you've got brain fog, there's a lot of things that can go wrong very quickly, and that plays into the safety aspect um, specifically, especially in the work that you do with, with Progressive Agriculture Safety Day. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think, you know, again, working with, with youth, we always look at the numbers um, about the ag-related incidents that happen to to our youngsters. And uh, right now, I think the statistics say that about every three days, a child dies due to an agriculture-related incident. And about every day, 33 children are injured due to an agriculture-related incident. And at first, I always assumed we're probably, it's probably children that are doing tasks that are not developmentally or age appropriate for them. But in all reality, many of the situations, I think 79%, the children are not working at the time the incident occurs. So many times they are in a dangerous situation. You know, maybe they are in that tractor's blind spot. Um, or again, someone, you know, one of the adults, they're, they're 
they're busy, they're tired, they haven't taken breaks, and they're just not paying attention to, to safety and being safety minded. And that's when we see a lot of these incidents occur, which is it's very, very sad. Most, most all of the agriculture related incidents could have been prevented. And I think you said the key word here, prevention. I have a public health background and it's prevention, prevention, prevention on so many levels. And what you're doing is a preventative measure, which I know it's targeted towards children with the hopes that they bring that information to the parents. However, is there anything that you do directed at the parents? Um, because there, there are instances where um, I myself have a child with a, a autism and mm -hmm. she's not the most reliable to tell me what she learns in school. So maybe there's things that she learns that can't communicate with me. And that might be the case for other children as well. So what is a parent um, resources that are out there for the parents to look at? Well, that's a great question, Rachel. So one of the things, just looking at our program, our Progressive Agriculture Safety Day program, we send the children home with a take-home bag. So that's one of the resources we provide for these communities. In addition to the curriculum, the insurance coverage we provide for the day, the t-shirt every child gets, we actually provide a take-home bag. And our goal with that is for that local coordinator to fill that with resources um, talking about the different things that that child learned throughout the day. So uh, we always, uh, my goal is always to make it 50-50, make it 50% of things that the kids want, want uh, to pursue or learn about, and 50% of things should be for the parents. So going home and, and, and having those discussions, keeping that conversation going, it doesn't have to end when that last bell rings at safety day, the last station concludes, we want those conversations to continue. So that's something we do send home immediately for the parents so they understand what the child has experienced in the day and they keep talking about it. We also try to do a lot of things here at the foundation where we do um, reach parents. So one of the things that we do offer each month, we write a, um, we call it the safety day corner column. Uh, so we focus on a different safety and health topic. And again, this is geared towards adults. Um, I think the, the safety day or the topic coming up here for November is on hunting safety. So again, what we can do to be safety minded when we're in the woods, uh, trying to have a successful hunt. But uh, this past month, we talked about fire safety and again, preventative strategies. What can we do to make sure a fire doesn't happen or burns do not happen to our family? So those that that's all in free information that's out there for the parents right on our website. It's under our, um, if you go to progressiveag.com, we have a newsroom tab and they can click on that and find that column. And then we try to do things throughout the year, like um, webinars just on various topics. We just had National Farm Safety and Health Week last month, and we did a series of webinars on a variety of topics from rural roadway safety to um, working with different audiences. So if we are bringing, wanting to educate different audiences in our community, I, I know probably in, in our different states, we may have strong Amish communities. Um, sometimes we work with um, Native American populations and we wanna make sure that that message is being heard and we're being respectful to those communities and their culture when we're, we're teaching our farm safety messages. So there was some tips and tricks shared on that and um, also confined spaces, um, brain injury uh, prevention. So that was very much educate, education geared towards the adults that hopefully will, will have us all take a pause and realize what we can be doing at home to keep our children safe. And, you know, with that as well, because you, you talked about uh, some diverse populations that you reach, how does reaching those audiences um, or how does that message change uh, based on who you're talking to or does it change or 
tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I would say it changes in the fact, as, as I mentioned, I think we have between 30 to 35 safety and health topics in as far as curriculum. So you are probably going to want to select topics that are going to be um, important for those communities. So that's something you're going to customize your program based on what are going to be the most important things um, for that community. And then uh, you also just, like I said, you want to be respectful. Um, a lot of times you want to make sure you're, you're going to um, hold your, your program at a location that everyone can have access to and easily get to. Um, and then, yeah, you just, you want to have the, that community buy-in. You want to make sure that, that they want to be part of your program. And many times when we do work with, you know, our Amish, um, Anabaptist communities, they come back year after year and they want that new, new education. So we also want to make sure that while, you know, we might be teaching on the same topic each year, we're keeping it fresh and we're keeping it relevant. So that is the beauty of our program. We have hundreds of different hands-on activities and demonstrations. So while we might teach the same topic year after year, we can always offer new hands-on activities and demonstrations to really hit that message home. Absolutely. And I think it's so important too, when, when we're talking with, you know, parents and, and students and kids, I know I grew up on a farm. Mm -hmm. I grew up on a, a grain farm and one of the things that I remember the most from my childhood was not necessarily as much the physical safety of like what the dangers are of a grain bin or what the dangers are of these different things. What I remember the most was um, because we our house was on the farm. So we lived on the farm. One of the things that really stuck with me was always this listen aspect of you need to be aware of what's going on around you and listening because when someone tells you stop, you freeze where you are. When someone tells you to stop, you have to stop what you're doing because something is going on around you that you may not be aware of. And that was something that was drilled into my head as a very young child, especially, you know, playing in the yard where equipment was moving in the driveway and all this different this different stuff. It was so important um, on my family's farm to have myself and my brother understand that, hey, if you hear someone says stop, it's not a, ha ha, ha ha, you know, I'm going to run around more. It's a, no, you stop what you're doing immediately because something is going on that, you know, and my parents had to trust and know that if we were playing in the yard and something was moving around, they could yell out like stop. And we would stop because, you know, a lot of kids don't necessarily listen at that age. But that was something that was really, really important on my family's farm was just that listening aspect and having that that respect for the farm, I guess, um, and knowing that that equipment is fun and that equipment is, you know, really great to fun to play on or whatever. But when we were told something, we had to be able to listen. We had to be able to stop what we were doing. Abby, that's such a great point. And I think communication on the farm is so, so important. And both ways too, like, you know, I mean, having these, you know, knowing when you hear someone say stop what you need to do, but also knowing that not everyone's going to be able to hear you when they're operating machinery. So being able to talk about what are some of those ways that you're going to get someone's attention without having to run up to that that equipment where you could 
you know, run that chance of being run over, being that, being that vehicle's blind spot. So that's one of the things that we talk to the kids about. I mean, we're not, most of the children we're going to reach are not necessarily operating equipment now. So we're telling them how can they be safe around it? What can you do if you need dad's attention? What are some things you're going to practice as a family? You know, is there going to be a two-way radio? You know, when, will you flicker the porch light when you need to get his attention? Things like that, rather than uh, putting a child in a dangerous situation. And I think fall harvest, I think it brings more families to the farm that may not have actually grown up on the farm because every we all need let, helping hands, right? I mean, more hands are needed during uh, fall harvest than probably any other time during the year. And so families are coming and maybe those children did not grow up on the farm and they don't have that same respect that um, someone who grew up on, you know, that's part of their day-to-day -day life has. So um, I think it's really important to set those ground rules and make sure that they know this is a busy active workplace. This is just like if you, if your parents have an office job and they take you into their office, you know, that same respect um, that you would give in that office, we need to give to that farm as well. And that's such a great point. And with your programs, because I, I know when when we talk about safety, a lot of times we hear of the not so great stories of why it's important. Um, I, and I don't know if you'd call that more being reactive um, because of, obviously it can be a life or death situation. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to highlight maybe some more positive things because we hear those negative things based on... And, and your program has reached so many people in so many places. What are some positive testimonials that, that you've heard from the information that you give? Oh, that's a great question. We do try to keep them. We call them our success stories. And we probably, we always say we probably need to do a better job of sharing those uh, more widely because they are so impactful. And it really lets us know our job is important and the message is getting home. So one story that um, we've told for, for several years, I mean, this has probably happened, I think, even in our early days. Uh, one time there was a safety day and they talked about um, electrical safety and what to do if you were, you know, if you were in a, a tractor equipment and you had hit maybe an um, electrical um, lines had maybe fallen down and 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 the, what you needed to do if you were in, in that equipment. Well, years down the road, that child who was a participant is now a teen helping on the farm. And it, a situation like that presented itself. And the parent right away is like, get out of the vehicle, get out of the vehicle, you need to get out of the vehicle. And that now teen who was once a child participant said, no, I learned it safely. This is the safest place for me. Mom call for help. You know, and and I think when when help arrived, when the fire department got there, they said that that saved his life by staying in the vehicle. So it's those those little things where that you know it's probably years had passed from that safety day, and that child still remembered it. We uh, heard a even some some smaller smaller stories. We heard a child last year was on the school bus just said you know was on their way back and one of the stations we offer is on chemical lookalikes so we talk not only about chemical lookalikes around the farm but lookalikes right here in the home you know our our many of our medications many of our household cleaners look like sports drinks and candy and he had found when he got on the, the bus he had found a pill that looked like a candy but he quickly took it to the teacher and said I don't want a child to um mistaken this for something else and he knew you know knew what to do so we're constantly hearing about about those those little things and even a, a child I think it was in the newspaper a few years back in Nebraska uh the neighbor's porch was on fire and 
the adults were all kind of standing around like, oh, what to do, who to call? And the, the child went into his home, knew where his fire extinguisher was and helped put out the fire. So sometimes that's a good message with the older children to, to, to be able to learn how to use, you know, equipment like that. For the younger ones, it's all more about let's prevent these fires from occurring. And but at least let's know where the, these this equipment is located and make sure your home has one to keep you safe. And we've even heard I, I could probably go on all day. I'll leave it with this last one. But this was one I heard um, in Kentucky once when I was there doing a training right from a coordinator they had actually sent all the children home with smoke detectors. So again, with this being fire prevention month, this is a good time to talk about that. But they sent the, the kids home with a, with a um, smoke detector, smoke alarm, and um, there was a fire at one of the children's homes. And I think that the woman who had given out the, the smoke detector had actually arrived on, at the home and the whole the family got out alive. They, they, they were able to, to get out of the home safely. Um, but they, she could still hear that 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 smoke alarm beeping still, and that was the one that they gave it safety day. So, yeah, that's those are the stories we you know we love to hear. That's so cool. I I love hearing the good things because, like I said, so often we hear the the bad things. So it, it's good to hear. It, it's an action. Kids do listen, do. which is great to know. Um, and I guess along with that too, I'm just kind of curious. Um, how do people get involved in this or uh, what kind of partnerships do you have? Perfect. So we, like I said, we help provide all of those resources kind of in our mission. We say we provide the education, training and resources to make rural life safer and healthier for children. And so we do that by um, working with what we call our safety day coordinators. So that's someone in the community that that's going to take that first step, um, take the training, uh, want to be the one to kind of pull, put the put the pieces together, determine, you know, what type of safety day do you want to have? Do you want a community event where we can um, have multiple ages, maybe even in include the, the parents and families? Do we want to have a school event where we want to focus on maybe one or two grades and maybe we're at the school or we're, we're busing the children to another location? Or maybe we don't have a lot of those resources and volunteer support. So we're going to go right in the classroom and work with that teacher on delivering the program on, on various days throughout the school year. So they kind of pick what they want. That's the beauty of the program being so unique and different and customizable. I mean, we don't tell you, you have to do this. You have to teach this topic. You make it what you, what you want it to be. So once we have that, that person, or actually two, we always say we can train up to two coordinators for safety day. Um, we provide them, like I said, the training and then some of the other resources they have then access to all that curriculum, which again, like I said, 30, 30 or more topic areas, but hundreds of hands-on activities and demonstrations. We provide things like insurance coverage. So um, your facility is covered as well as all your participants and volunteers. We provide t-shirts, take-home bags, year-round support. While we might be a small staff, we are we we really emphasize to our coordinators, we are here to help you 24-7. We get sometimes emails at nine at night, and that's fine because we know that that time that a coordinator is working on their program might be the, the only time they have during that week to really dedicate to that. So we really try to be timely. And our coordinators are made up of many different individuals. So we work with a lot of extension, folks from the extension world. So um, we were just at um, the National 4-H um, Extension Educators or Professional Development um, or Professional 
positive <laughs> youth development professional. Sorry, I, I will get it right eventually. We were just there at their conference in Pittsburgh. And uh, when I was looking up some, some numbers, I think more than 50% of our current coordinators come from extension. So they're working with 4-H, they're working in ag communities. And then uh, FFA, our, our ag teachers, our FFA chapters make up a, a big chunk. Um, farm bureaus, um, very good supporters, sometimes hospitals and healthcare, uh, schools, themselves, they, they're really invested in safety and they want to see their children be safer. So sometimes it's the school teachers that are conducting this. So we work with a variety of different audiences. So if somebody's listening in and they're thinking, this is a program I want to bring to my community, um, visit our website, progressiveag.org. On there, there is a get involved section and how they can get involved. There is a an interest form they can fill out if they want to bring a safety day to their community and we'll, we'll get them started. Or maybe they just want to start by volunteering. Maybe they, they, they're really passionate about um, giving of their time. We have a, a way that they can sign up and volunteer. And if somebody is interested in, in finding out if a safety day is happening in their community, we do have a map. Um, on our website. I think it's under our program section, our programs tab. It'll say where local safety days are happening. Um, and they can they can see if a safety day is happening in their community. And we can we can match them up and introduce them um, to that coordinator um, and, and make it happen. And safety days happen all year round. Well, we're 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 kind of slowing down in the year. We have a, a handful of safety days left here in November and early December, and then we'll probably be kicking back up again in probably February. So we're getting ready to approve applications for 2024 and kick off training. So this is the perfect time for someone new to get involved with the program and bring this to their community in 2024. That is amazing. And uh, one other follow-up with that too, uh, to get trained, is that free or is, is there any... Anything else that goes along with that? Yeah, so training, we do have a one-time program fee, an annual fee of $75. We try to keep this as minimal as possible. And we are able to do that because we have so many amazing um, funding partners throughout North America that believe in this program and they are able to, to fund the program. So it keeps that very, very minimal. So that's one cost. That's, that's not a cost per safety day. That's not a cost per year, how many participants you're going to have. That's just a one-time fee. And some of the coordinators host multiple events with that fee. So we just, it just helps us with some of those administrative costs, especially since many things now have moved online to online platforms um, since the pandemic. And one thing that's been wonderful was with training has now moved entirely online. Our trainings are all um, not only online, but they're self-paced. So you could start the training, you can go back to it. We try to make them humorous, have a little fun with, with folks. And I would say even a new coordinator, it gets training gets a little bit easier as you go on because in your third year, it's just a brief update. But if you're coming to us new, I'd say looking at your training, you're going to be investing maybe two to three hours. So it's don't think of it as like days or um, that are going to fill up your calendar. If you really sat down and, and, and went through the training, you're looking at about two to three hours to get trained. So and again, at your convenience. So if you're a morning person or a night owl, you could do it wherever, wherever it fits. That's so great. And, uh, you know, Let's hear that website one more time. Sure. It's www.progressiveag.org. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being our guest today. We're so excited to have you. Um, we want to thank you for uh, being on the podcast. And we want to thank you all for listening to the tools for today's farmer podcast. If you would like more information about the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team, 
You can go to extension.purdue.edu slash farmstress, or you can find us on Facebook as the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. We use the hashtag FarmStrong on all of our posts to emphasize that the agriculture community is strong and resilient enough to come over, overcome anything that comes their way. Share your story of overcoming stress on social media using the hashtag FarmStrong. We're your hosts, Rachel Dillhoff and Abby Heidenreich. Thank you for joining us.